You are listening to the official Acts 2 podcast. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.acts2orlando.com. So we're going to kick it off right here. So I'm going to ask Andrew Jesse to come on up here. Come on, bless him really good. Come on. Come on. So if you don't know, if you don't know Andrew, you're missing out. This guy is awesome. I love the way Jesus comes out of him and uh, thought it would be a good idea to have him share a little bit about his experience with meeting Jesus because he's more than just a thing, isn't he? He's a, he's a real person. Tell him about it. Hi, everyone. You guys are so nice. Okay, so I'm just going to get right to it. So this past week, the last couple of weeks, I've been reading this thing in the Bible about how Jesus left the 99 and come after the one. And I was at one. And um, see, what's amazing is Jesus left the 99 to come after me when I was stuck in pornography, when I was addicted to Adderall, staying up multiple nights, when I was abusing all kinds of different things. I was a hot mess. And the whole time, Jesus, he was pursuing me. He was pursuing me the whole entire time. And, and all I had to do was say, I believe in my heart. I believe. So what's amazing is I grew up in the church, but I never really met Jesus. I knew religion. I knew how to worship. I knew how to feel the goosebumps and stuff, but I never really knew Jesus. And because of that religion and all this stuff came in and I got addicted to all this stuff. So I was bondage. I literally could not even worship God because I was so trying to earn self-righteousness. I'm like, God, forgive me. God, forgive me. God, forgive me. And I couldn't even open the Bible because I would open the Bible and it was, it was bondage to me because I couldn't understand it. And I moved to Florida to pursue my beautiful wife and, and I'm on this journey. So I, here I am, I grew up in the church, experienced the Holy Spirit, but I never really knew what the word said. I didn't know Jesus. I, and I'm thinking, how is this even possible? So I moved to Florida trying to understand who I am. Like, who am I? Jesus, who are you? Because I couldn't, I couldn't worship God. I couldn't, look, we just had worship. I couldn't even worship God because I'd be like, Jesus, forgive me for this. Forgive me for that. And it was real. I couldn't even pray to Jesus. That's how bad it was. And then one day, um, went to this religious event. I'm like, well, here's another religious event. I know how to do all the things and earn righteousness, this and that. And, and Jesus literally just met me. Some guy, I don't even remember what happened, but um, I was just hungry for if this is real, if this Jesus is real, I'm sick and tired of earning righteousness. I'm sick and tired of all this stuff. I want the real thing. And so I was there and this guy comes up to me and I don't even remember what he prayed, but instantly I fell to my knees. I fell to my knees and instantly all this weight was lifted. Everything was gone. For the first time in my entire life, I felt one with him and I felt peace and that's the true Jesus. See what happened was this guy had the true gospel. He had the message of reconciliation, this Jesus, and he brought it to me and instantly all my garbage, boom, gone. Jesus came in, boom. 
Jesus came right inside. And so that night I had this unconsumable fire to read the word. What is this? I opened the word for the first time in my entire life. I actually opened up Galatians and it talked about how I'm no longer slaves. Jesus bore the curse on the tree for curse is anyone who is hung on a tree. And he, he bore it all for me. So I'm reading it and it came to life. And now I'm, I represent Jesus everywhere I go. And I tell you this story because it's, it's, it's the most amazing miracle ever that Jesus would leave the 99 to come after me. And I, I share this testimony with you because um, it doesn't matter if you've grown up in the church or if it's your first time in church, it, it doesn't matter. All that matters is Jesus is real. And if you've never met this Jesus, if you're struggling with addictions or you're struggling with this or that, it, it, it can end right now. See, what happened was after I met Jesus, I opened the Bible and started reading things and understanding, oh, this is real. Reading Romans chapter six. So what should we say then? I'm no longer a captive to sin. I'm a new creation. And, and what's amazing is I tried to get back into that old thought patterns. Jesus, will you forgive me? Will you forgive me for that? Oh, forgive me, I messed up again. Instantly the Holy Spirit's like, will you stop asking me for forgiveness? You're already forgiven. Pray for something that matters. So, so this is real. And what I have, I want to release to you. This is called Jesus. This is called the gospel. This is called what Paul talks about, the message of reconciliation. So there's no shame. There's no guilt. See, what the devil tries to do is get in there and be like, if you raise your hand, you're going to look foolish. If you raise your hand, they're going to know you're a sinner. Listen, Jesus died before, Jesus died for all of us before we were even his children, before we even said yes. So I want to release this. If I was talking to Jesus in the shower this morning, I'm like, Jesus, I thank you for that man that brought me the message of reconciliation. And I wish I would have had it earlier. So I'm going to release that right now. So um, if you are struggling with addiction or you've never really met Jesus, you know religion, you know how to do the things, you know how to earn righteousness. But in reality, that's not the gospel. The gospel is, Jesus, I believe in you. The only way to please Jesus is through the faith that he's already given us. There's nothing you can do. So if you are struggling with addiction or you've never met Jesus, I want to I raise, let me see your hand. Is there anyone? Okay. I know we have people watching online um, and here. I don't know if there's other overflow rooms, but... Um, See, what's amazing about this gospel is you're not missing it if you don't say yes right now. See, while Andrew's bringing the word, you can just say in your heart, Jesus, yes, I want you. I believe in you. Boom, done. Instantly what happens, your old man, boom, dies. You become a new man. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. So I'm just going to release this. And during this service, if you wanted to raise your hand in your heart, but you couldn't, today's your day. So Jesus, I declare your word right now, the gospel, the message of reconciliation. God, all your love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, love on hearts right now. Jesus, we thank you for the power of the gospel. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God that brings salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on. Thank you, brother. Thank you so much. Come on. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? 
see what I'm talking about? Don't you like to be around people like that that are on fire? Isn't it awesome? You just kind of like, you burst into flames just because you're standing next to them. So these are the kind of people I want to be around, the ones that are starting fires, making things burn. And he had no idea what I was talking about this morning, but I'm talking about the message of the kingdom. I'm talking about bringing fire with you whenever you go anywhere. So how many in here want to burst into flames? Okay. Listen, let me tell you something. The church wants it. I really do believe that. The church wants to burst into flames. I'm telling you this. This is the truth. That if you really want to burst into flames, the flames lie just on the other side of that uncomfortable place that you don't want to cross. It's not comfortable to burn. It's not comfortable. There is a level of vulnerability and openness and authenticity that it takes in order to burn like that. When you can talk about your addiction and your sin and not have any shame attached to it, you know why? It's because you found something on the other side of that. You see it for really what it is. Your past is a point of reference. It's not a place of residence. You can refer to it. You can call back on it, but you don't live there anymore. You don't live there. The work of Jesus, are you ready for some good news? The work of Jesus brought you from darkness into light. What does he want from you? Just to say, yes, yes, God, I believe you. I believe you. And and trust me, we will spend the rest of our natural born lives on this planet saying, yes, I believe you. Because there's always levels and places and hidden things in our heart that are just simply there by unbelief. Hello? It's a good word, Andrew. They live there because of unbelief. Oh, man, here we go. The mind is not a terrible thing, but the unrenewed mind is. The unrenewed mind doesn't think like heaven. It thinks like earth. It thinks like the past. It thinks under shame and guilt. That's what it thinks under. The renewed mind thinks from heaven's perspective. It sees things appropriately. It sees the sin in our life, the things that we've done, and it looks at it and says, Jesus Christ has paid for that. I will not live under guilt, shame, and fear anymore. I'm choosing to talk about this, get it out in the open so people can hear and know what's going on in my life, but I choose not to live under that anymore. Come on, that's good news, isn't it? This is the message of the kingdom. It's called the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what is the gospel? How do you define it? It's not a trick question. How do you define the gospel? Good news. It's not potential good news. It's good news. It's not good news if you do something. It's good news whether you do it or not. It's still good news. Hello? We're talking about the work of Jesus here. This message we have to offer, listen, has been distorted and diluted down to you can be forgiven of sin. That has become the ultimate ambition of the evangelistic message. Instead of bringing a manifestation and a demonstration of the lordship of Jesus and his kingdom, Do you know what happened when Andrew met that guy? That guy brought a manifestation of the kingdom. That's what happened when he touched you. I don't know, you said he didn't say anything to you, right? He just touched him. Listen, this is what the world is longing for. I don't think it's difficult to get there. I do think we have to get vulnerable. I do think we have to come to a place where we're going, I'm going to risk it just a little bit more. How many have had major breakthroughs in your life with Jesus where he showed up and it was like, oh boy. Yep, okay. 
did any of you experience it like I experienced it? That when I was at that crux, that crisis point, when I came to the crossroads where Jesus was encountering me, I knew in that moment it was so overwhelming, but at the same time, I had to make a choice to go with it. Is anybody else, was it like that for you? When Jesus shows up, he shows up in an overwhelming, like so, so much power gets released in it. But there's still something we have to do, and it is to make the choice. To make the choice. Do I want to go there? Do I really want to go there? This is why we need testimony. We need testimony like Andrew's, because how many of you felt that when he's talking about it? What he's doing is he's releasing it in the spirit. In the room, he's releasing it. It's like a football that gets passed out there. It's called a Holy Spirit football, and God's just waiting for somebody to intercept it. You can go, I got it. That's mine. That's mine. He started quoting Romans 6, and immediately my mind went to, that's my passage. You can borrow it whenever you want, but it's mine. I intercepted that thing. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God, heaven forbid. Mm, 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 mm. It's good news, church. It's good news. It's so good that I want you to take a second here and try to imagine how good it is. You know what? It's way better than that. It's way better than that. I don't think anybody on this planet has quite caught yet how good the gospel is. It brought salvation to humanity. And that word salvation, sozo, is so rich. It's so full. It's not just salvation so I don't go to hell. That's what we've reduced the message of the kingdom about. You can be forgiven so you don't go to hell. This is what the good news has been reduced down to. Sad. That word sozo means salvation, not only for my future, but it saves me from my past and it'll save me ongoing in my present. it's, It's a full spectrum, comprehensive salvation. It reaches all the way into your past and deals with it, takes the very root of sin, takes it out, rips it out of humanity. So your past is no longer a place of residence, It's a point of reference. Do you know why shame and fear and guilt are so pervasive in the church? Because people visit their past without Jesus. They visit their past and they don't take Jesus with them. Here, let me give you a little tool here. This is like gold. Are you ready for this? I'm going to give you like some crazy good stuff right here. The next time your mind starts going into your past and you start getting depressed, angry, fearful, in that moment, while you're thinking about it, I want you to know this, that Jesus was there the whole time. So all you have to do is say, Jesus, what do you have to say about this? What do you have to say about that thing that just happened there? Because I guarantee you, he's got a much different perspective than you do. But I don't like to do that, Andrew. Well, don't do it without Jesus. Don't ever do it without Jesus. Put him right in the center of it. It's where he belongs. Mm. I promise you this. The Holy Spirit will not traumatize you. I 
I'm serious about this. Holy Spirit will not traumatize you. I think a lot of times we see things happen in church where if you're a part of anything where it's charismatic Pentecostal type thing where you believe in the gifts of the Spirit and all that, sometimes some weird things can happen. It's true. Now, I don't live for the weird things. I mean, some crazy things happen. I mean, we went through a season when we were in the other building where gold dust was all over people for no reason. It was just on people. Feathers were falling out of the ceiling. Crazy things were happening. But to me, that's not the goal. That's a, he- that's a heavenly door prize. They're fun. They're a great thing to add to the party, but it's not the main event. The main event is Jesus. And this is what the world is longing for. This is what we all need an encounter, who we all need an encounter with. I don't want to reduce the gospel down to something that just says, if you do this, then Christ will do this. No, the message of the gospel is Christ has done this. What are you going to believe? What are you going to believe? I'm not making it up. It says that. It says it in the word. God so loved the world that he gave his only what? Begotten son that whoever what? No, it doesn't say pray a prayer. Whoever believes in him. Okay, I feel like I'm going to pick on some stuff here. I want to pick on some church stuff. Why do we do this? Why do we say pray a prayer after me and Jesus will come into your heart? Why do we do that? Do you know why we do that? Because we need something to satisfy us when we're praying for the other person. I need to make sure I close the deal. You can't find it anywhere in scripture. You pray this prayer. There's nothing there. It just simply says believe. Now, I don't want to make light of this church. Believing is a very, very big deal. It's a very, very big deal. I know when I came to believe in who Jesus was, I believed in him, but I caught a facet of him to believe. There are multiple millions of facets for him that I'm still discovering and I still have to choose to believe. The rest of my life on this planet, I will be choosing over and over and over again to believe in him, the Christ, the son of the living God. And if my life is not lining up with what I see in scripture, it's not because there's a lack on his part of not giving it. It's because there's some place in my heart where I don't quite believe it fully yet. And I need to start asking the question, why is that? Ask Jesus, what is going on with that? What's happening? Jesus, why can't I step more fully into this experience with you? I promise you, it's not him holding you back. Remember, it lies just on the other side of that thing that's really uncomfortable. There's risk involved in it. I can say over and over again, how many want to burn? And everybody will shout and go, yes, but I'm telling you, it's not going to happen just from passivity. You feeling me this morning? It's not going to happen with passivity. There's, a, there's something we need to step across. There's this, this barrier that I feel like a lot of Christians have in front of them. I've got them too. I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching with you, if, you can, if I can say that. There are barriers that we see in our lives right in front of us, and we want to get through that barrier because we know something greater is on the other side of it. And what we see is a brick wall, a block wall right in front of us. But I'm convinced more and more that if you walk up to it and poke it with your finger, it'll go right through it because it's paper thin. It's an illusion. It's just a place where somehow the enemy gets into our mind and he starts building little camps. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Little thoughts come into our mind and you guys know that not every thought that you have in your head is your thought. You do know that, right? Okay. Just so we're clear on that. Not every thought that you have in your head is your thought. It can be placed there. That's biblical. 
if that thought takes root in our heart, I like to look at it like this. It's like Satan sneaking into our mind, running around in the hallway, finding a little place to camp out, and he pitches a tent. And he pitches a tent because I believed it. Now, here's what happens. If I don't deal with that, that tent stays there. And the devil's like, you know what? I'm going to build a little two-bedroom house here. And if we don't deal with that, you know what? I'm going to build a nice little mansion here. And next thing you know, we've got this thing that the word talks about. It's called strongholds. You know what a stronghold is? It's a place of you can war, protect yourself in it, or you can war from it. He's a stronghold. That's good. The strongholds in our heart and in our mind are the things that get us in trouble. The things that where Satan comes in and he just sneaks in and he plants a little thing. Next thing you know, it moves from a campfire to a tent to a little tiny house to a two-bedroom house to a four-bedroom house. Next thing you know, you got a mansion. Next thing you know, you got a stronghold. Come on, are you with me this morning? Take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Why? Those things, what Christ thinks, that's important. This is how we tear down those strongholds. Take every thought captive. I wasn't planning on talking about this, but it's good right now. Take every thought captive. I, I use a mental picture. Some people, you might laugh at it, but I use a mental picture. When I discover that there's a thought in my head that is not mine, and I realize it, and I go, wait a minute, wait, that's not God, and that certainly isn't me. That came from somewhere else. I take it, put it in the toilet, and I flush it. You might try that sometime. That is really silly, right? You might try it, though. I'm, I'm going to flush that thought. That's going right there. Let's flush that. That's no good. Let's get rid of that. Oh, you don't like that one? That's a good one, isn't it? <laughs> I, I just, practical stuff here. Just giving you some practical things. I, we believe in activation, and I really do believe a lot of times we need to do some kind of physical activity that moves us out of just thinking in our mind. There's physical activity. I think it's why it's so good when we worship that we lift our hands, you dance, you get on the floor, whatever is good for you. You need physical expression of the kingdom. It's more than just a mental ascent to some creed that was made up a thousand years ago. There's something more to that. There's an expression of the kingdom that I think we, are, we as the church were missing, and it's called the experience of Jesus. Did you know that even in the Greek when it says that you would know him, that word know right there literally means not just intellect. It literally means that you would know him through your senses. Taste, smell, seeing, hearing touching you're designed to have that kind of relationship with him has anybody ever felt jesus feel him touch you yeah yeah i feel him i know when he's talking to me i know when he's talking to me it feels like he's got his hands on my shoulder it's, it's how it works for me i was marked years ago by this that i heard god talking to me right here and whenever i hear him now it's like he has his hands on my shoulders and he's leaning over my shoulder and talking into my right ear it's not all, the only way I hear him, but that's a strong way that I hear him when I feel him. He puts his hands on my shoulders, and I feel it. Oh, boy. Acts chapter 1. Let's go there. Acts chapter 1. Verse 1 through 5. 
To Theophilus, the lover of God. That's very redundant. I don't know if you knew that or not. It's like saying to the lover of God, the lover of God. That's what Theophilus means, sorry. I write to you again, my dear friend, to give you further details about the life of our Lord Jesus and all the things that he did and taught. Just before he ascended into heaven, he left instructions for the apostles he had chosen by the Holy Spirit. After the sufferings of his cross, Jesus appeared alive many times to these same apostles over a 40-day period. Jesus proved to them with many convincing signs that he had been resurrected. During these encounters, he taught them the truths of God's kingdom realm. Now, next verse. And he shared meals with them. I want you to hold on to that. He taught them the truths of God's kingdom realm. And he shared meals with them. Jesus instructed them, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait here until you receive the gift I told you about, the gift of the Father, the gift the Father has promised. Verse five, for John baptized you in water, but in a few days from now, you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Oh, well, Andrew, I'm not sure what you're talking about there. I'm not used to this thing right here where people talk about baptism with the Holy Spirit. I know what water baptism is. And, you know, I, I hear this sometimes, not as much anymore. I used to hear this. Like, do I have to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? <laughs> no, you get to. <laughs> if you look at it as a have to, you're in the religion camp. Just come on out of that camp over here. This is not a have to kind of thing. This is a get to kind of thing. I've even had people ask me, seriously, do you think you're better because you're baptized with the Holy Spirit? No, but I am better off. Much better off. I need it. There's a reason why Jesus said, don't leave Jerusalem until you are endued or clothed with this power that comes on high. He gives them the great commission, says go into all the world. And he says, but before you go into all the world, wait, get Holy Spirit. And then once you get Holy Spirit, then you can go into all the world. Why? Because we need the full demonstration of the kingdom realm that we just read about. When you find works, and you see this in the book of Acts over and over, when you find works and the words, mark it down so you don't forget they're supposed to happen together. We've reduced the message down to just words. We say a few words, we get a few goosebumps like Andrew was talking about. I've been there, I've done that. It's where it actually meets the words and the works, the manifestation shows up. How many want to see that? Come on, where does it lie? Right on the other side of that thing that's just really difficult for you to cross. Somebody in here have something going on in their right arm, right back here. Anybody? I keep feeling something right here. Anybody in the room? Maybe somebody online, but I wouldn't know that. You feel something on your right arm? Wow. Pops on your workout. Okay, for whatever that is... I saw it even as a picture. I saw it as like this huge muscle. So maybe that's why. Brother, it's coming your way. <laughs> you, you said you feel it when you work out. Okay. All right. Everybody just extend your hand that way. Right now, in Jesus' name, complete and total healing be brought to his hand, to his arm. That popping ends right now in the name of Jesus. It ends. And God, I pray you just add the bonus onto it with like a really buff body because he's working out. So add the bonus to it in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Oh, yes, God. Yes, God. Hmm. The first time Jesus brings up this message, 
of the kingdom. He said, go tell them, repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's in Luke 9, Matthew 10. He says this. When he's out there, he's starting to preach. This is the first thing he says. Go tell them, repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. What does the word repent mean? Change your mind. Good. You can be taught. Yes. It means change your mind. Metanoia, change your mind. Does it mean turn from sin? Yes, but that's the secondary action of it. When you change your mind, you will turn from sin because you think different. You believe different. And here's the beauty of real repentance that we need every day. When we get our mind changed because we've grabbed hold of something that's superior, I don't have to make myself perform to not do the wrong thing anymore. I see something greater. I don't need to do that anymore. You're not required. Does that that help? He's preaching repentance. This is the kind of repentance. Repentance has been turned around to an action we do in the church just so we feel better about ourselves. With no change of mind. No change of mind at all. We We see people change their behavior. We'll pat them on the back and go, good brother, good for you. But still inside the heart, there's a conflict going on. Why? There's something that exists in the mind and in the heart that doesn't belong there. True repentance will bring us back to the way God thinks. This is the message Jesus began to preach. He said this, change your perspective on reality. This is me paraphrasing, okay? Change your perspective on reality because I brought my world with me and it can be tasted, it can be experienced, and it's available right now. This is my world. I came to reveal the Father. Let me tell you everything that the Father does, everything who the Father is, what heaven feels like, what heaven looks like. I brought my world into this world. And if you repent and stop thinking like that, you're going to catch it. The commissioning of Jesus, where he said, go, and then he said, wait, and then go. The commissioning always carried the element of kingdom experience inside of it. Here's what I believe. Are you ready? This is going to hurt. The reason the church avoids that message is if we say it, then we need to demonstrate it. It's much easier to say, let me just do this and you say this prayer and I don't have to demonstrate anything. Can I say that again? The reason the church avoids that message is if we say it, then we need to demonstrate it. It's much easier to talk about things that can't be experienced because then our credibility is not put on the line. Are you feeling this? I'm provoking myself this morning. It's one thing to see something in the spirit. It's another thing to respond to it. Hello? It's another thing to respond to it to the point where it says, I'm putting my credibility on the line here. I would like to move into this kingdom realm so much so that I don't even think like that anymore. I'd like to think more like this. I'm going to move into this, and even though inside of me I'm feeling really scared right now, I'm going to put his credibility on the line. Now I'm thinking about him and not what I need to do. He's a big boy. He can take care of himself. It's much easier to say things like, pray with me and you'll go to heaven. It's much easier to say, pray with me and you'll go to heaven or pray with me and you're going to feel the power of God come over your body right now. We, we would do that. A lot of our school, when we were doing our school, we would do that. We would just say, hold out your hands. 
people would hold out their hands and we just put our hands over top of them. Why? Because is there something biblical about that? Well, I don't know. I mean, there is this thing called outstretched hands. We would do that. I, you know, but Andrew, is it biblical to say somebody can feel the power of God? Well, yeah. I mean, it depends on how you look at it. The, the Bible doesn't contain God. It reveals him. And if you think it contains him, now you've restricted him into a box. The Bible doesn't contain God. It reveals God. And what I know is God is more apt to show up and more wanting to show up in somebody's life than I'm willing to let it be released. But if I put myself in that position where I can say, watch this, you're going to feel the presence of God and just do this. And then people would start feeling it kind of freaky. We had that happen all the time, didn't we? I say freaky. It's actually normal. Why? Because we're in, it's intended, this message of the kingdom is intended to be an experiential message, not just something we find with our mind. We are people obligated to demonstrate what we say and what we believe. We're obligated to demonstrate what we say and what we believe. Here we are, Acts chapter 1. We just read this. Jesus is resurrected and now he starts again to talk about the kingdom. So take a look at what's happening here. You see these words, kingdom. Baptism into Holy Spirit, demonstration of power. Let me see verse six. Do you have that one? There it is. Listen to this. Every time they were gathered together, they asked Jesus, Lord, is it the time now for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? Well, they're thinking of a different kingdom still. Even after what they've experienced, dude's crucified in the ground, comes out of the ground, walks around for 40 days. I don't know about you. Now, I know it's easy for us looking back at this. I don't know. And I don't want to fault the disciples like, because I probably would have done the same thing. But come on, man. Come on, have you not caught it yet? That kingdom that he could have restored the way you want it doesn't happen. He restored it the way it needed to be restored. And what it means is not, and you can feel it even when they're asking that, they're saying, Jesus, go do this thing so we don't have to. When are you gonna restore your kingdom? When he's saying, I'm putting you on a co-mission. You're with me in this thing. We're doing this thing together. Their concept of kingdom was natural. It was man-made. It was even military. Jesus is answering their question and brings it back to the subject, the kingdom and power. We know what happens when we get into Acts chapter two. We may talk about that a little bit more next week. This, this amazing, I just, I try as much as I can to put myself in that position. I, I really want to know, you know, when, when I get to heaven, I'm going to say roll tape on that one. Roll tape. I want to see Acts 2 happen. I want to see it. I want to see what happened in the room. I want to be in the room where it happens. Okay, some of you get that. <laughs> Sorry, I totally derailed it right there, didn't I? I want to get to heaven. I want to say roll tape. I want to see what happened in that room. Imagine this. They were told after the ascension of Jesus, they had 10 days till Holy Spirit showed up. 10 days. And he says, don't leave Jerusalem. So they're all gathered in a room together praying, thinking, he said, stay here. So, okay, we'll stay here. 
Well, we'll stay here longer. We'll stay here longer. 10 days, they're waiting. Then on the 10th day, there starts to come the sound of a wind. It doesn't say a wind showed up. It should said the sound of a wind showed up. Now just imagine this with me if you could. You're sitting in this room, you're praying, and you're just being obedient to what Jesus has told you to do. You don't really know what's gonna happen yet. They've never experienced anything like this. All of a sudden, this wind sound starts to fill the room. And then they start looking at their bro, and it's like, dude, you got fire on your head. Dude, your hair's on fire. And they all begin to speak in different tongues. I love the beauty of it. That, the, oh, the beauty of it. You know that what happened right there was answering what happened in Genesis 11? The Tower of Babel? When, when God said, I want you to fill the earth, after Noah, he said, I want you to fill the earth and multiply. And then he said, scatter out, do it. They find a place that says, hey, this looks good. Let's build a summer home. They start building a tower to God. God looks down and says, man, there's nothing they can't do if they set their mind to it. Okay, let's do this. Let's go down there and confuse their language. So that on Monday morning when they get up to go to work, Joseph's asking for a hammer and Cody's going, what? I don't know what you're talking about. I don't understand your language. And it spreads them apart. You see what's happening here. They got disobedient and they got spread apart and they couldn't understand each other. Now they're together doing what they're supposed to do. Holy Spirit comes, Father comes down, Holy Spirit comes, lands on them, gives them a different language again, but this time it draws everybody together and everybody understands it. It's beautiful. You have people from all over the country, all over this area who have come to Jerusalem for this feast and they're there and they speak multiple languages and as they start speaking in tongues, it says, I understand them. They're Galileans. I'm an Egyptian. How do they know how to speak Egyptian? They're simple Galileans. And they're saying, they're saying about the wonder, they're talking about the wonderful works of God. I hear them talking about it. You see this, isn't this beautiful? It starts drawing them together. Yeah, that's good. I love speaking in tongues. I don't ever want to demean it. I don't ever want to discourage it. I'm saying that as a preface to this. Because the focus on Holy Spirit baptism has gone so far in that direction for people to speak tongues, speak in tongues. When it doesn't say when you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, you'll speak in tongues. It says when you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, you receive power. Power. Why do we press the thing with tongues? I want it. I want to be like Paul, 1 Corinthians 14. I, would, I speak in tongues more than all of you. I wish all of you would speak in tongues. He wants everybody to experience it. But I don't know about you. I want to see a full demonstration of power coming out of my life. I speak in tongues, but I don't necessarily speak in tongues outside this room or outside my house so much or my car. And it's, and it's okay. I do it outside. I'm not saying don't. But according to the word, speaking in tongues is speaking mysteries unto God. And as I'm speaking mysteries unto God, that word mysterion for mystery doesn't mean mystery as in it can't be known. It means mystery as in the more you talk about it, the more it gets brought into the light. So the more I speak in tongues, the more I start to understand what God is really saying. Why? It's got out of my personal logic. It doesn't have linear thought going on. I'm speaking in tongues and it's just something inside starts to manifest and it starts to come up inside me and all of a sudden it hits me. It comes into my heart before it goes into my head. I know what God's saying. I know what he's talking about. 
You ever tried it? See, this is why speaking in tongues is really, really good. It's really good. I want everybody to speak in tongues. How many here speak in tongues? This is not a contest to, okay. Yeah, if you don't speak in tongues and you want to speak in tongues, we will pray for you when we're done right here and you will speak in tongues, okay? But we need to come back to what this is really about. It's about a release of power on every individual. Oh, boy. Do you pray in tongues? Good. Keep doing it till you burst into flames. Keep doing it till you burst into flames and you move into a place of encounters and experiencing God that you've never experienced before. I have had some of the most amazing experiences with God outside of meetings like this. They're amazing. They're things that I can't even begin to talk about with my tongue. I don't even know how to put into words the kind of stuff. You feel it. I, I'll, give you, I'll give you an example of one. Yesterday. <sighs> My back is feeling so much better today, but it was killing me yesterday. Like, you know what I'm talking about? That kind of like when you take a breath, it hurts. And I'm trying to get my wife, she's massaging it. She's trying to crack my back and she loves doing that because she likes to beat me up. And she's joking. She's like, take that. No, she doesn't do that. I, she goes, go get in the hot tub. So I thought, well, I'll tell you, I'll go get in the hot tub. I'm sitting in the hot tub. I'm trying to relax, and I'm just looking out into the sky. I'm seeing the trees and stuff. I'm not anticipating having an encounter with Jesus at that point. But all of a sudden, the smell changes. The air changes. The smell changes. And what I'm, I'm seeing just, I don't even know how to describe it, just everything about the air, the trees moving, the clouds, everything about it became like this expectancy and hope. Everything started to move out of my mind. I started to move out of the things that I normally think about. And all of a sudden, it just moved into like another realm of expectancy and hope. I want that kind of stuff all the time. It feels so much better. My soul feels so much better when I enter that stuff. Come on, are you with me? You know what I'm talking about? Put yourself in a position where you can have that happen. A couple of weeks ago, I had, I'm, I'm like, get me out in the woods and I'll talk to God. Okay? Because he lives there. Okay? I had to get out, drive out to the woods. I drove about an hour and a half from here just to take my truck out into the middle of the woods where nobody goes. Driving, I mean, way out in the middle of the woods. I find a place out there, I just sit there and I'm like, God, you're gonna talk to me. Because I don't feel good right now and I don't like the way life is going. So you're gonna talk to me. All of a sudden, there it is again. Expectancy, hope, future, vision starts to come back. Why is this important, church? Because this is part of my testimony. Do you feel it when I'm talking about it? It's being released on you right now. For you to take it and say, I can be a part of this. I can be a part of experiencing God like this. So the next time I walk up next to somebody when they're praying or they're kneeling, just like Andrew's talking about, and you touch them, you release the kingdom of God on them. It moves from just being compassionate to where you release the kingdom. Come on, how many want to do that? Mm. Just a picture of this right here. I'm going to wrap up with this. In the Old Testament, the Israelites left Egypt. They went through the Red Sea into the wilderness. But there's another body of water that separated them from the wilderness to the promised land. It's called the Jordan River. It's the picture of baptism in water and baptism in the Holy Spirit. The first one was the Red Sea. It was a still body of water. It wasn't moving. 
I think it was still because it represents this burial of sin. It's dead. It doesn't move. It's just dead. Remember what happened? Egyptians are coming, right? See, they go through it. That's a picture of baptism. What got left? Everything that held them in bondage. Everything that held them in bondage got left in that river. Drowned it. That's a picture of baptism. They go through the wilderness, arguing with God, complaining, spending 40 years in there, till they finally come to the point where they can cross the Jordan. The Jordan's not a still body of water. It's a moving body of water. Isn't that interesting? Because Jesus has already said in John 7, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And he was speaking specifically of Holy Spirit. But the way, a couple other things changed too. The way that they fought war in the wilderness changed. When they got into the promised land, it looked completely different. When they were in the desert, it was swords. When they got into the promised land, all of a sudden it was marching and shouting. You ever notice that? Walk around Jericho seven times. Yeah, that's going to do something. Yeah, they're going to be really, really scared if we do that, right? March around Jericho seven times, stand there. Seventh day, start shouting. <laughs> Walls come down. You know the story. But the, the whole method of warfare changed. What does that tell us about who we are as new covenant believers, being baptized with the Holy Spirit, having this message inside of us of the kingdom? What does it tell us? The way that we war, the way that we bring the kingdom looks completely different than it would in the natural. In the, in the desert, the warriors were out first. In the promised land, they send choirs out. They do. I'm not joking. They send people out there singing. They're in front. You think, well, that's dumb. They're going to get chopped up real quick. I believe it's kind of what Zechariah was talking about. That's an interesting book in Zechariah 1. He's talking about something happening, and then God releases four horsemen. And those horsemen are artisans. What? I love that we do this art kind of stuff here. Every time, I, every time I know that we're doing this and I see this stuff, I love that because there's some kind of creative release of heaven that comes through that. It comes through the music, it comes through the words, it comes through the singing, but it comes through that as well. What do you think God wants to bring through you? What do you think God wants to bring through you? pre-baptism with the Holy Spirit, Peter is going, I don't know the dude. I don't know the dude, dude. I don't know who that is. You keep talking about the Jesus. I don't know who this is. Denies him. Post-Holy Spirit baptism, let me tell you who this Jesus is. The one that you killed, the one that God sent, that person, let me tell you who he is. You see the difference? Just two days earlier, he was afraid of them, or whatever it was, more than that. But he was afraid of them, couldn't stand it. Uh, power is what sets the defining standard of the gospel. Can I say that again? Power is what sets the defining standard of the gospel. Romans 1.16, Paul said it. I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the what? Power of God unto salvation. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God. So keep that in context. The next time you're sharing the gospel with someone, it's more than just words. It's got to be a demonstration. 
I'm not ashamed of the good news because that is the power of God that gets released on your life. Listen, church, sometimes it can happen when you tell the story of Jesus. Sometimes it takes something else. What I'm saying to all of us is, how about we shift our awareness just enough to recognize that if we're gonna be a part of this thing called the kingdom and bring the message of the kingdom, there needs to be a demonstration of power in it. It was simple earlier, just with the arm thing right there. That's simple, but is that a release of power right there? Of course it is. Let's don't restrict it to that. It could be anything. First Corinthians 1.18 says this, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us, it is the power of God. First Corinthians 2, 4, 5 says this, Paul says this to the Corinthians. He says, and my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in a demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Listen, I love Christian apologetics. We need this. We just lost one of the best that we've seen. And I don't even know how long. Robbie Zacharias. I love Christian apologetics. We need that. But we need to be careful. Because if I can argue someone into the kingdom of God with words, somebody can come along with some other words and argue them right back out. But you can't argue with a person who has an experience in God. Try to argue that away from them. Try it. Try to argue Andrew's testimony away from him. Try to tell him that wasn't real. Try it. Try to convince him that that's not what happened. You can't. Why? That's the demonstration of power. We need the words. We need the power. They always, if, we, if what we see anything in the book of Acts, we see them always going together. You feel this? I'm, I'm fired up about this church. I don't even know what it looks like for us yet, but there's more. There's way more. And I know this. I do know this, that especially in a time like this where people are freaking out all over the planet. You know what the answer is, don't you? It's the gospel. It still works. It still works talked about it a few weeks ago. We're never going to see reconciliation by marches and round tables, discussions. We are never, ever, ever going to see reconciliation by doing that. Why? Because it's earth centric. It's man centric. It's humanistic in nature and humans without God right in the center of it is demonic in nature. The only way we're going to see true reconciliation is coming back to the reconciliation that God did in Christ for us. And then has given us that ministry of reconciliation. What do we take? How do we reconcile? We bring the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because in the gospel of Jesus Christ, you know what? There's not Greek or Jew, black or white or Asian. There's not man. There's not woman. It's, it seems so funny when you think about it like that. It seems so petty to argue over those things. It seems so petty. It's like you're arguing, trying to get to something, not recognizing that you're already there. If you just stop the arguing and come back to this thing that this is what God has done in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. I'm going to end with this. If you're in this room this morning and you're feeling some kind of baggage hanging on you, 
You don't even know what it is. I feel it right now. I don't, I feel it. I feel this kind of like baggage thing. It's like it's oppressive in the room. Let me just tell you right now, if you're feeling something like that, that is not yours. That is not yours. Something is trying to be superimposed on you that is not yours. The work of Jesus Christ has removed sin, sickness, disease, has removed it all. He's looking for a group of people just to step into that reality. If you're feeling any kind of fear, any kind of anxiety, it's not yours. So here's what I want to do. I want, if that's you, I'm going to ask you to step just beyond that comfortable thing I keep talking about. Don't want to do it. But if you really want to catch on fire, if you really want to burn, if you really want to walk in freedom, if you really want to walk with that kind of expression and connection that you saw Andrew talking about, if you really want to walk in that kind of thing, step over this line of uncomfortableness and I want you to walk up here. And I'm just going to pray over you. It's not going to be super long, but I'm going to pray over you. Come on, get up close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, Jesus. You know what I see right here? I see desire. I see desire. I see something that reaches for hope beyond what I know right now. An experience, something that's greater. Something that's more. Something that goes beyond my natural way of thinking and it gets, it actually, my normal way of thinking gets lost in the euphoric thinking of God. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. Lord, I'm praying right now, every individual here with that heart that wants to experience, wants to know, wants to be a part of the kingdom of God. Everyone here. Yeah, just hold up your hands right now. I'm not gonna be touching everybody here, but I just say, right now, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with Holy Spirit. Be filled with Holy Spirit. Filled with Holy Spirit. Yes, yes. Come on, some of you right now, you're getting these weird kind of visions, maybe thoughts running through your head. Just explore it with God. Yes, God, be filled, be filled. Holy Spirit, fill, fill, fill to overflowing, overflowing, overflowing. All right, everybody else stand up here. Father, Father, I want my heart, I want my mind to be consumed with the message of the kingdom. Consumed with the message of the kingdom. It's the only good news left on this planet. Consumed with the message of the kingdom. You are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. You are the one that all creation was made for, by you, through you, for you, and in you, and you hold it together. You hold all of it together. You are the message the message of Jesus Christ. Lord, I'm praying for encounters right now. Everybody in this room having an encounter with Jesus in the most awkward places. That you show up, you show up and you break the mold of religious thinking of where we have to encounter God, that it has to be in a room, has to be in a room with music playing, has to be in a room with somebody on a stage talking on a mic. (laughs) That it goes beyond that, that you experience him where you walk, where you sleep, where you breathe, where you live, where you eat, everywhere you go. Father, will you do that? Father, will you do that? Just those big things we're asking for, God, that release 
of the revelation of heaven. And listen, church, you're responsible for whatever revelation you get. If you don't explore, explore revelation in faith, it will turn to religion in an instant. If you don't explore revelation in faith, it will turn to religion in an instant. Begin to risk it. Begin to move further. Begin to say, not my will, but your will be done. So Father, I'm praying that for all of us, that all of us would just learn how to become flames everywhere we go. You're standing in the middle of Walmart. Boof! You just go into flames right there. You see heaven's, we see heaven's perspective when we begin to release it right there. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. Anybody say amen to that? Amen. Amen. Come on, say it a little more hearty than that. There it is. All right, Lord bless you guys. Lord bless you all. Thank you for listening to the Acts 2 podcast. Love God, love people, and live life. 